Man, how's everyone doing this morning? Come on, give God some praise today. You guys excited to be in the house of God? Well, I got an exciting word for you guys today. I want to I wanna go to Acts chapter 16. As we close our series, Finding My Missing Peace. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 5. The word of God says... So the churches were strengthened. How many of you are in church, but you need some strength today? Look at how that opens up. The church was strengthened. They were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, the Bible says in verse 6, Next, Paul and Silas traveled the area of Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Messiah, they headed north of the providence of Bethania, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Why don't you say that with me? Don't go there. <laughs> How many of you wish you would have listened when God told you don't go there? So instead, they went through Messiah to the seaport of Tross. And that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in the northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news, the gospel over there. We boarded the boat to Tross and we sailed straight across the islands. Notice the next day, long story short, in verse 12, they landed in Macedonia where the vision was. But in verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them to be stripped, to be beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and tied them, clamped them, their feet in stocks. Does God always make sense? Not here. Today I want to speak to you on the subject that close this series. God knows where I'm going. Let me say that one more time and let it just settle in your spirit. God knows where I'm going. You may not know where you're going. You may not know what's ahead, but God does. That's why you can have peace in your mind. You can have peace in your spirit and you can have peace in your life knowing I don't have to know because I serve the one who does. God knows where I'm going. Let's pray. Father, bless this word in the name of Jesus. Father, you know what we don't know. We don't always need to know. All we need to know is that you know and therefore we have peace. So Father, preach today. I'm not asking you, Lord, to just show up and make us feel good. I'm asking you to show up and transform our lives. And I know you can. Do it now in the name of Jesus. With reverence, I ask. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise today. Come on now. Amen. Amen. God knows where I'm going.
If there's anything that is robbing you of your peace today, it's trying to figure out your life. You're trying to figure out what's the next move? What's the next step? Some of you can't even enjoy what God is doing now because you're thinking about tomorrow. You can't even fathom what the Lord is doing in your life today because you're worried about tomorrow. And Jesus said himself, do not even worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own problems. So just focus on today. So God doesn't want you caught up in yesterday. God doesn't want you caught up in tomorrow. God wants you caught up with him right now, today. Because the Lord can only give you the strength for today, not tomorrow. Let me say it one more time. God can give you the strength only for today, and not tomorrow. That's why the Bible tells us to pray and ask the Lord for our daily bread. But some of you are praying and asking God for bread for the next 10 years and the next 20 years. I need some bread in 30 years. What's going to happen when I retire? What's going to happen to that bread? Lord, I need bread right there. And God says, no, you don't. Today. Can you handle today without thinking about Monday? God knows where you're going. Has that ever just caused wonder in your mind? Do you understand that God knows? And the reason God knows where you're going is because God did not just put you on this earth and say, figure it out. And I'll see you up here later. The Bible says that all of our days were written so imagine God writes a story about you from beginning to end, chapter by chapter, and everything in between, and there is a beginning, and there is the story, and there is the end of the story, but everything was written and preordained. That's why we can't live our lives in constant fear and anxiety and worry and panic and discouragement over what am I going to do, and what if this happens, and what if I can't handle it? And what if I can't make a decision? And what should I decide? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I go here? Do I buy that? Do I invest in that? Lord, I need help. And God says, stop. I know where you're going. And there's peace in that. I believe Paul was encouraged because the Bible says, the very first verse we opened up, that God was strengthening the people in church and they were growing. Imagine if you're Paul. Paul just got saved recently and now the gifts of God is on him. The Holy Spirit is upon him. He's preaching. The church is growing. That is a time for encouragement and strength. And Paul's excited because now he sees that the gospel is being preached through him. People are changing. Lives are transforming. And he's saying to himself, man, God is doing this. God is working. Because oftentimes we believe God is only working when things are working out. So Paul is probably encouraged, saying, man, we're gonna, we got to preach more of the gospel. Because if it's working here, it has to work over there. So Paul, along with some other people, said, hey, we need to go to Asia. Man, Paul, that's a great idea. Let's go preach to those Asians. Let's do it. And they got ready. They got packed. And as they're getting ready to go to Asia, God said no. In fact, God said, it's not the time. And for the first time, Paul 
actually learn something about God, God sometimes says, not now. It's a nice intention. It's a good idea. You have great motives, but not now. And Paul said, that's not a problem. Let's just go over to Bethany because I know maybe in Asia it's not going to work out. They tried. The Bible says that Paul tried to go to Asia, but that word prevented actually means in the Greek trials. So as they tried to get into Asia, there was so much opposition that it was evident God did not want them there. Because sometimes God allows things to fail to let you know it's not where you belong. So imagine now they go from encouragement to discouragement because now God has prevented them from doing what they wanted to do, what they thought was right, through trials. So I can sense the frustration, I can sense the anger, I can even sense the confusion. God, why didn't it work out? And they shook it off and they said, let's go to Bethania. So they got their strength back. We got to go preach the gospel in Bethania. And as they got ready to go to Bethania, guess what? God said, no. So Paul's confused. Lord, where do I go? Clearly, I tried to go here, but it didn't work out. And then I, I tried to go here, but you said no. And Paul did the next best thing you can do. When you're in a place in your life, you just don't know. Paul went to Tross and did nothing. Let me say this in the name of Jesus when you do nothing doesn't mean you're not being productive. Sometimes God says, I'm going to put you here and you're going to see and do and hear nothing. This is the season where God goes silent. How many of you have experienced the silence of God in your life? And see, Paul is going through so much disappointment. Because of all these trials, he couldn't go into Asia. I wonder today how many of you are suffering the frustration or the anger or the confusion and the wonder of some disappointments in your life. I wonder how many disappointments you can count. How many things you thought would work out that didn't. How many relationships did you invest in that did not work? How many opportunities did you think would work out for you but never did? The older you get, the more you realize that you can look back and count down all the disappointments you've had. And the biggest mistake we make about disappointment is that oftentimes the devil will convince you that disappointment is actually God withholding good from you. But it's not. Actually, disappointment is actually a gift from God. You say, well, Pastor, how does that even make sense? Because when God allows disappointment, He's either trying to develop you or He's trying to protect you from something. 
So it's not that God is withholding good from you when life disappoints you. It's actually that God is getting ready to do some good. Therefore, that could not work out. That had to close down. That opportunity had to fail. That could not happen. And therefore, when life hands you a disappointment, it's actually a time to give God glory and thanks, honor, and praise. But that's not the normal reaction we have. We tend to ask God, why did it work out? Why didn't this happen? The Bible says that God never told Paul why he couldn't get into Asia, why everything did not work out, why all the trials prevented him. The Bible never said that God gave Paul an explanation about why he could not go to Bethania. All the Bible says is God looked at him and said, this is where you need to go. I wonder how many of us here today are trying to get an explanation from God. How many of you are trying to figure out why God did something? What does it matter if it happened? It happened. We need to trust Him. And knowing why it happened is not going to change the fact that it happened or even make life better. So you were trying to figure out, God, why did that never work out? Why did you allow that trial in my life? Why did you allow this setback? And the honest answer is, because I'm good. Doesn't seem like it, but he is. See, it's funny because Paul, he makes plans. And Paul's a new Christian, and I don't think he knows it yet. But I think that when people make plans, it's, it's adorable. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to marry them. Live here. Have this many kids. How many of you have some plans right now? Let's be honest and fleshly here. How many of you have some plans? Some plans. Come on, come on. It's okay to plan. No sin in that. Go ahead and make your plans. That's awesome. But see, when you make plans, don't ever make your plans a certainty. Make it a petition. It's so good I have to say it twice. Don't ever make your plans a certainty. I know God's going to do it. Make your plans a petition. Lord, this is my desire. But let your will be done. I wonder who said that before. James 4.13 describes us today. Look here, James says to a church, you who say, Today or tomorrow. Because that's where your mind is on right now. Today, you're thinking about tomorrow. Everyone is just wasting today thinking about tomorrow. And we're so innovated about the future. And the future and the future. And this is the next generation. And this is what's happening next. And this is the next nice thing. This is the next thing. Listen, God wants us to focus on the now. Today or tomorrow. That's all you're talking about. We're going to go to a certain that word. We're going to go to a certain town. And we're going to stay there a year. And we're going to do business. And we're going to make money. And I love what James says here through the Holy Spirit. How do you know? 
Let's backtrack. Go back to that verse. Because I wonder if this was applied today, it'd be like you're saying, I'm telling you, look here. Look. You keep saying today and tomorrow. I'm going to buy this house. I'm going to live here. I'm going to marry that person. I'm going to have four kids. Some of you are so in control that you even know how the gender of your kid. I'm going to have four little girls. Some of you are, I'm going to have two boys and three girls. I'm going to have two girls and one boy. And you already know. That's how awesome you are. You can declare the certainty of the gender of the next kid in your life. You know exactly who you're going to marry. She's going to be tall, a little blonde, a little curvy. I know exactly what God's going to do in my life. I'm going to do this career. I'm going to major in that. I'm going to have this. I'm going to do that. Today, this is my day. Tomorrow, I see myself doing this. And you're going into all these things that you tell yourself are certain. And verse 14, God just puts a powerful question. How do you know? What's your life? What's your life like? Tomorrow. He said, your life is like a morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say, it's the Lord wants us. That word want translates will. If it's the Lord's will, we will live. I love that it says, if it's the Lord's will, we will. Why? Because when your will aligns with God's will, He blesses it. But if your will does not align with God's will, it will never work. See, the writer of James here, James is telling the church, you have to live your life with a great desire for the desires of God. But what happens today is that your life becomes about your desires. And everything centers about what you want, what makes you happy, what's going to bring you the greatest satisfaction, what's going to give you the greatest pleasure. But James is saying here that we need to live a life to desire the greatest desire of all, and that is the desires of what God desires in your life. So we should say, Lord, my desire is to fulfill what you desire for my life. And that is how you find peace in your life. Because if you live every life trying to put your plans into God's will, it will frustrate you. And that is why so many people have no peace in their life. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 9, this is Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. And Solomon says, we can make our plans. But the Lord determines our steps. That's where the faith is. I make my plans. I have my desires. I have the picture that I want my life to look like. But ultimately, I have to understand that God is Lord. And that word Lord means the one over my life. Superior, authority, in control, and sovereign. 
So because the Lord is the Lord and master of my life, it means that I'm going to make my plans, but sometimes my master is actually going to change them and determine what I should do. You guys with me today? That word determine, it's a Hebrew word that means to set up. You know that God has set up your life? It's all been set. And what God is doing as you live every day of your life, He's putting it all together. It's not like God is in heaven trying to figure it out, and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I hope I'm ready. God is not even saying that. God has already established and set and predetermined what He will determine for your life. You're thinking, well, why? Because He's Lord. So go ahead and make your plans. But I hope you have the maturity and the understanding to know that your plans should only be a petition. But your greatest desire for your life should be the desires of God for your life. But sometimes we can't handle when our plans fail. When life is not what we picture. And that's where a lot of you are. You're living a life you never imagined. I can't imagine one person ever in history, and the end of his life, he, he or she looks back at his life or her life and says, man, everything I pictured happened. Everything I imagined came to pass. In fact, if I were to look at all the older folks here, if you're between the ages of 30 and 75 here right now at church, how many of you can say at least one thing you pictured for your life never happened? Show me your hands. Look around you, young folks. You planners. It's reality. You make your plans. But God is the one that sets it up. But we can't handle that. You see, finding your missing piece, it's like a puzzle piece. I got to tell you about the best puzzle in the world. But I can't do it. <laughs> and I was showing my mom this, I was so excited about it. Still in the box, can't figure it out. My two favorite things in the world. It's a beach full of cats. <laughs> I love cats. And I love the beach. So you can imagine when I saw a bunch of cats in the beach, my life was complete. It's awesome. They're selling catfish. He's teaching cat paddling lessons. They're kicking the dog out. I love that. And then, like, it's just an awesome picture. I love it. And this is how God works, though. We have a picture in ourselves. That we love. We, we have this picture that we're so in love with. And that picture is the life you want. 
It's the person you want to marry or the type of person. It's the type of house you want to live in. The type of career you want and the many kids that you want. And in that picture, it fills you with wonder and excitement and awe and enthusiasm. Why? Because that picture is perfect and I love it. It's what I want. I want cats on a beach. Awesome. And there's my picture. And then there's God's. So then God says, I have a picture for your life. It's not that. And it's already said, you know what a puzzle box is? It's already been set up. But it doesn't just come out that way. See, God has a picture for your life. But it's not going to happen instantly. He gives it to you in pieces and installments. That's what's called seasons or chapters of your life. So God is at a point where He gives you a piece and I don't even know what this is. And that's why it's so hard to figure out what is God doing in my life. But I have peace knowing. I may not understand what this green thing is, but I know it has a purpose fitting the perfect plan and picture that God has for my life. I don't like it. I don't understand it. But I know there's a purpose for it. If I look at this green people, what is it? I don't understand it. Help me figure out. I, and I lose sleep. What does it mean? God says, all you got to know is there's a purpose for it. And it connects. But you know what happens when God says, I have a determination for your life. I have a picture for your life. We go to God saying, what about my cats? But I like the beach. And then all of a sudden, I say, no, God, you know, this is what people do. We mix all desires with God's desires. We mix our will with God's will. And you know what you're doing when you do live like this? When you're telling God, I want cats. I want the beach. I know it's not in your plans. I know, but I love it. So there are things in your life you may love, but they don't belong. They don't belong in the plans of God. And if you don't trust them, you know what you're going to do? You're going to mix it up into the, I know it's the will of God. And I want to tell you something. When you bring in things into your life that God clearly says, it's not in my picture, your life is not ruined forever. Because all of us can relate, all of us can say, there are some things in my life I know without a doubt did not belong, but I did it anyway. But you know what happens? It's not that your picture that God has for your life is ruined forever. That's it. God doesn't say, is that a cat on my plans? You're done. God doesn't say that. But you know what God does do? 
You ready? Brace yourself, it's going to hurt. God says, hmm, is that a cat? Yeah, it's a cat. Hmm. I, I thought I told you no cats. But I love cats. Wait a minute, David. It, it, is this a beach? Maybe. David, I, I told you no cats. No beach doesn't fit in my plans for you. Why are you so unfair? He has a cat. They have a beach. Have you checked Instagram? Everyone has a beach. I logged in on Facebook and it's like the first thing that pops out is cats. And you don't want me to... God, you just don't want me to be happy. I love cats. I know you love cats. I know you love this beach. But I love you too much to allow this cat and this beach into your life. Can you trust me? Could I have the cat for a little bit? Come on, how many play, play that game with God? You know what God says? David, you mixed it all up into my plans. And what I have for you was so much better than a beach and a cat. But now I have to put that on hold. Because now I have to waste my energy and my time removing from your life what doesn't belong. See, let me tell you something. The plans of God are not forfeited, but they will be delayed. Because now God cannot bring the blessing into your life He wanted to bring at that time, because now that time has to be God removing what should not have been in your life in the first place. So some of you are saying, why can't I get blessed now? Why can't God do it now? Because God said, right now I have to clean the mess you made to prepare what I did have for you in the first place. Pause, take a break, let it settle in. Because we're saying right now, well, that's not fair. But some of us, you know you've mixed things into your life, into the plans of God that does not belong. So now God has to withhold now the blessings and the picture for your life and you're not living your best life now and you're not at where God wants you to be because now God has to go on rescue mode and clean up mode and remove from your life what should not have been in your life in the first place. So rather than God giving me the best now, I have to wait for it because now He's taking away all the cats and all the beaches from my life. I wonder what God is trying to clean up now that He should not even have been cleaning in the first place. Because for me, it's the beach and it's cats. What about you? But I love them. See, Paul didn't realize that when plans fail and setbacks happen and doors are closed, it's because God is actually setting up something greater. 
But sometimes we can't understand the setup of God because we're trying to set up what we want from God. And it doesn't work that way. We need to learn to thank Him when He removes the cats from my life. You have to learn to thank Him when that certain peace did not fit in your past. And trust Him. And God doesn't have to explain Himself to you. You see, this is how God works. In verse 6, you have to read it there in a very fine print. In verse 6 of Acts, the Bible says Paul traveled through the areas of Galatia unnoticed because the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. But here's the key word. At that what? Time. See, sometimes the answer is not no, it's just not now. Because in the book of 2 Corinthians, we understand that Paul ultimately made it to Asia and preached the gospel. So what God was saying is, I have it for you, but it's not ready. So some of you are saying, but I want it now. You're like that annoying girl, Willy Wonka. I want it now. And what happened to her? Yeah. God says one, not now. Not now. Why? You're not ready. If I give it to you too soon, you're going to destroy it. So Asia represents not now. It's not a no, but it's a not now. Second, he said, I want to go to Bethany, and then God said no. So then in one stage of our lives, God says not now, but then there's sometimes God answers, and he says no. And you say, later? No! You mean not now? Not ever! But like in the future, right? And God says, what part of no do you not understand? So God says, Asia, not now, but you will get there. Be patient. And God says, no. Because for every time God says no, it's because He's opening up a yes somewhere else. And the greatest yeses of God will be better than the greatest no's of God. But the devil wants you to think that the no's of God for you are the best thing. God doesn't want me to have fun. He doesn't want me to enjoy life. He doesn't want anything good for my life. And God says it's the opposite. That's why I said no to that. And then sometimes God throws us in troughs. Verse 8 and 9. Nothing happens. Wait. Be still. Know that I'm God. Relax. But I need to know now. You just need to stay at rest. And I'll show you. It was there that God showed him and gave him a vision. Go to Macedonia. Did you see that God's ultimate plan was revealed when Paul was at rest? For all my planners and organizers, if you keep trying to plan and organize the will of God into your life, you're just going to frustrate yourself and end up in the beach with a bunch of cats. You have to learn when to rest and let God show you in His time. But I need to know now why. Rest. 
What I learned from Paul in this, and we're going to close the series with this one. What I learned from Paul in this place is not everything that's good is good for you. Because it was a good thing that he wanted to go to Asia, that he wanted to preach the gospel, that he wanted to reach the lost. Anyone, no one would disagree with me. That was a good thing. But understand, even though it was good, God said it's not good for you right now. You need to trust me. Because we tend to think if it's good, it has to be God. But God is not in all things that is good. Sometimes what's good to you is not good to God and is actually forbidden by God. But we convince ourselves. Genesis 3.6 is a prime example why we ended up in the mess that we are in right now. Why the world had pain and shame and sin and darkness. And it wasn't the woman's fault, but I just want to say something. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was what? Good. That's it. The tree was good. And the devil said, if it's good... It has to be God. But don't you know that that tree, though it's not denying, it was a good tree. It was a good tree. But see, there are some good things in life that are forbidden by God. I hear it all the time. A pastor, he's a good man. He treats me good. So he has to be from God. Because he does so many good things for me. But pastor, she's so good. And it's a good job. And that's a good investment. And if it's good, it has to be God, right? And God said, no. There is some good that's actually forbidden. See, some of us here bid the forbidden fruit. At one point, you looked at something that one, that the very thing that has destroyed your life at one time, you called good. Did you realize that? Whether it's a person, a habit, an addiction, a choice you made, that choice did not happen. It happened when that very choice that destroyed the very life you're in right now, you said, at one time, looks good to me. So not everything that's good means God it's actually forbidden and on the flip side not everything that's bad is the devil Paul goes to Macedonia and and listen that's what the vision gave him go to Macedonia so in this vision it's kind of ironic and funny in this vision he gets a man and this man says Paul come to Macedonia, preach the gospel. And he's like glowing in the background. And he knows that the gospel needs to be preached over there. And Paul gets up from Tross and he gets excited. And he says, we need to go to Macedonia. I had the best vision ever. And you should have seen it, guys. There was this broken man screaming for help to preach the gospel. And I saw all the people that needed Jesus. We need to go. It was awesome. And when they get there, they get stripped naked, beaten, and chained, and thrown in prison. Hashtag, not what I envisioned. Bad things happened there to Paul in Macedonia, the very place that God told him to go to. 
Because we're, we're convinced that when bad things happen, it means that God doesn't want us there. And it can't be God because it's causing me too much pain and hurt. See, some of you, you're living a life you never envisioned. And there's pain that you never imagined you'd be suffering and you've convinced yourself God is not doing this this can't be God it's the devil but we know that the reason that Paul was stripped naked beaten by rods thrown in prison in chains is because God wanted him to reach that jailer and his family to get saved so we know that sometimes God is in the bad places in your life because he has a purpose for it So not everything that's good is God, but not everything that's bad is the devil. You have to learn to understand that bad things happen. But God already had it set up. That's why we are convinced bad things can't be God. That's why the Israelites, the first generation, forfeited the picture that God had for their life of the promised land because the desert was too rough and they thought God left them. Why would you think God left you? Because it's tough and it's hard and I'm struggling and I'm hungry and we're tired. This can't be God. But what if God is in the struggle? What if God is in the tired? What if God is in the pain? Because he's working it for something good and greater. Don't forfeit the picture of God because of bad things. But forfeit the things in your life that you think are good, but you know in your heart are forbidden by God. So you're here, you're saying, oh, pastor, I have no peace in my life. Let me tell you why. You're trying to set up on top of God's setup. Trying to put pieces into God's plan that doesn't fit. And now you've made a mess of your life that God has to clean up. And that's why right now life is not going the way you want. Because God is trying to rearrange the mess you made. And if you want peace in your life, you have to know how God leads. You know, yesterday, this dog wandered into our yard. And we try to look for this owner. Frankie, come here for a second. Let me wrap this around here. So yesterday, Frankie and I walked the block trying to find the owner of this dog. I know it's demeaning, but it's for Jesus. And as I'm walking this lost dog, this dog thought it had freedom. It wanted to go where it wanted, but you know what? It had freedom but only six feet of freedom. That's what free will is. We think that free will means I do what I want, say what I want, live how I want, and God's going to bless me. No, God says you have free will to some degree. Frankie, go around. Go wherever you want. See? Free will. Eh. Walk around. No, not there though. Keep walking. Why do you want to struggle? Not there. Free will. Free will. How does that feel? Not there. You know that's how God leads us let me tell you what God is not God is not in front of us 
saying, come on. That's slavery. Some of you have a slavery type relationship with God. You're going to church today. Come on. You're going to forgive this person. Oh, you're, let's go. You know what you need to do. It's time for our devotion. Let's go. Let's pray. Let's read the Bible. Come on. And you're letting, oh, but God has to take the lead. No, this is not God taking the lead. This is why some of you feel like a relationship with God is a drag. Because you're saying, oh, I feel enslaved. But you know what God does? God says, I lead. But I give you free will. So God steps behind you. Go ahead. He gives us free will. He's looking around. But if he sees something where you don't belong, he says, no, 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 not there. Over here. And there's peace. And sometimes God says, no, no, not now. Later. You trust me? All right, keep going. And then God sometimes says, no. Not there. And then God says, yes. There. That's how God says, I protect you and watch your ways. It's not that God wants you to have a a relationship with him that drags. It's that God goes behind you, knowing what's ahead of you, knowing what's for you and against you, what's not for you, what's not for you right now, what is for you, and you need to trust him. When I was carrying this dog, I had to pull it from the side of the road, and it looked at me mad. I said, but you don't understand, that can kill you. And sometimes we get with that with God. When God pulls you and says no, we get mad at him. So if you want peace in your life, say, Lord, I surrender to your will. That's it. It's such a simple prayer. We're going to pray today. Let's all stand. Take a deep breath. Inhale, exhale right now. Because you're living a life maybe you didn't picture. You've allowed things into your life that don't fit. I want you with your heart right now, if it's your desire, to say, Lord, once and for all, I surrender to your will. Show me the no. Show me the yes. Show me the not now. Close the doors that need to be closed. Open the doors that need to open. Open the doors that no man can shut. Shut the doors that man are trying to open for me. Guide me. If you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you're guilty of trying to trump the will of God with your will, would you show me your hands today? Say, Pastor, this is me. I'm trying to take control. I'm trying to do it my way. It's time for you to surrender once and for all because you may not know where you're going, but God does. And if you're here today, the Bible says it is God's will that no one should perish. You know, one of the desires I can actually say that God has for your life is for you to become born again and saved. 
If that's you today, you want to surrender your life to Jesus because you cannot give surrender to God in your life if you haven't surrendered your soul to Him. If that's you today, you also put your hand up. Say, Pastor, this is me. God bless you. I want to pray with you today. The first prayer, I want to lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. Forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. And today, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. And if you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I'm a born-again believer. I'm saved. But there's some pieces in my life that I know are making a mess of God's perfect plan for mine. I want you to pray this with me from your heart. Just say, Lord, that your will be done. Forgive me for taking the lead. I've made a mess of my life. And you tell God where the mess is, what area. And I ask you now, Lord, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person here who needs to trust you with their life, who needs to trust you with their future. For every person here that has pieces that don't belong, I pray you give them the strength to remove it from their life because your best cannot come until the worst is removed. So forgive us for mixing our desires with yours. And I pray, Father, according to Psalms, that when we delight in you, our desires will happen. You will give us the desires of our hearts. And Father, you know that when you wrote that, you are telling the world that when we delight in you, your desires will ultimately become ours. And that's what I pray for our church, that we desire your desires and live for your will because only then can we experience the peace and the blessings of you. Thank you for this series, Lord. Give us peace now that's been missing for a long time as we surrender in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give God a round of applause today. God bless you guys.